welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Okay. Are we all okay? Yeah, good. Um, so we're starting a brand new series called Beyond Me. Everyone say, Beyond Me. Very, that sounded nice. And this is all about the idea that we're called to live beyond ourselves, to live for something, or more importantly, someone else other than me, myself, and I, um, and to imitate Christ in our love and service of one another. Isn't that a really nice picture? Yeah, I love it. I was just distracted by it then on the screen. Um, so we're going to unpack this together and start this journey uh, through what this means to live beyond ourselves. And um, this week, I felt the Lord um, constantly like show a song to me. Does that ever happen to you? Where it's like the same song pops up all the time. I kept skipping it, being like, what's going on? And then I thought, no, let me listen to it. And the lyrics of the song say, We rise by bowing, we live by dying, and we give what we can never keep to gain what we can never lose. And this song speaks of being so willing to give away what was actually never ours in the first place, our life. And in the process of like preparing for this morning, um, I've become absolutely convinced that if you want to live life in all its fullness, then you need to be willing to live beyond yourself. So we're going to unpack that together. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke 10. Luke 10. Luke 10, yeah. <laughs> Let me just pray. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you might um, just really speak this morning and let every word be a word from you, Jesus. Um, just so much less of me and so much more of you, I ask. Amen. We've got a little audio book going. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at this whole chapter. Um, don't be alarmed, though, because you all know that I can't really speak for longer than half an hour, <laughs> so we should be all right. Um, but I'm going to unpack this chapter, and you'll see that it's split up into three stories, and so we're going to look at that um, together. So my first point is living beyond yourself is taking up posture as a lamb. Living beyond yourself is taking up posture as a lamb. In this first passage in um, chapter 10 from verse 1 to 24, Jesus appoints 72 people to go and tell them the good news. He appoints 72 people for the mission. And he starts off by saying, in verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. I feel like sometimes we get so consumed by our own lives that we forget the mission. You know, we get so caught up in the plan for our life, the things that we want to achieve, 
our own to-do list, our own agenda. We get caught up in the routine and the day-to-day that we forget the call on each of our lives is to tell people about Jesus. Some of us think that this is a call that is just for the evangelists amongst us. Well, look around, do you see many? You see, if that was the case, and if this is just for the evangelists, then surely we're missing a point. You see, when you said yes to Jesus, you actually chose to believe and you declared that this is good news. And if it's good news, then why would you want to keep it to yourself? The good news that Jesus came and set you free, that he came and and dealt with the sins of the whole world, why would you want to keep that to yourself? We all have a part to play in the mission, and God is calling us to tell people about Jesus, and he's positioning us to reap the last harvest. Um, Jesus specifically appoints 72. Have you noticed that? 72 people he sends out on the mission. And I was asking myself, why? 72 is a bit random. Is anyone else thinking that? Good, because it leads perfectly on to this point. <laughs> when I researched as to why it was 72, I discovered that in the Greek manuscripts of Genesis 10, there are 72 nations listed. So in Genesis 10, there are 72 nations listed. And here in Luke 10, Jesus appoints 72. Is that blowing anyone else away? And I take it to mean this, that Jesus was symbolically saying, I'm calling you to reach the nations. The gospel is not just for people in Birmingham, praise the Lord. The gospel is for every nation, tribe, and tongue. It says in Revelation 7 verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is an incredible piece of scripture. But it states there and then that on that day, every knee shall bow before the Lamb, every tribe and tongue. The gospel is for everyone. And it dawned on me, that the way that the world has worked and developed and evolved means that it's never been easier to reach people with the gospel. In our city alone, there are people from many nations, many tribes and many tongues right there in our city. It's on our doorstep. It's almost as if God orchestrated it that way. He's clever, isn't he? But it is, isn't it? It's almost as if he's positioned us ready to reap the last harvest. Because let me tell you, Jesus is coming back real soon. And so the call in our life is to tell as many people about Jesus because we've got to reap the last harvest because church, Jesus is coming back soon. You know, it does you more damage to believe that Jesus won't come back soon. 
I think when you believe that he's coming soon, it creates this urgency in your spirit to tell people the truth of who he is. That's what, I've, that's what I, happens to me. From an early age, I believed I was going to see Jesus come back. Probably because I read Revelation when I was 14. <laughs> My dad was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> so how do we do it? How do we reach people with the gospel? Jesus states, I'm calling you to be a lamb amongst wolves. Wolves are fierce and out to destroy, whereas lambs are humble and innocent and gentle. And a few of us are probably wondering, why is it that we're not reaching the lost? Well, maybe it's because we look and act like wolves when we were called to be lambs. A lot of us want to blend into society, but we were never called to do that. Um, I don't know if you were here when this happened, but a few weeks ago, my friend Jess came to church um, for like the first time. And it, I mean, it's just incredible. She's not a Christian. And I journeyed with her for like 10 years and prayed for her for 10 years. And then God answered my um, prayer to like engage with her again and she ended up coming to church Jess I mean she probably won't watch this on the live stream so it's okay but um, <laughs> um but she is coming back again with her friends actually so um but she's quite a she don't show her emotions she's not like super sensitive or anything like that and um during the worship actually I could see that she was starting to cry. And I was like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> um, and she was crying because she saw someone else over here crying in the worship. And she turned to me and she said, why is that person crying? And I was like, oh, it's Jesus. I said, why are you crying? She said, I don't know. <laughs> and um, afterwards, she said to me, we went out for dinner. And she said to me, why is everyone so happy? And I was like, I don't know. No, I didn't really. <laughs> I didn't really. I said, oh, it's Jesus. She was like, but everyone was just like really pleased to see me and they don't even know me. And I said, yeah, church is like that. Um, <laughs> she was like, who's that guy in the ham sandwich? She was talking about Amos. She was like, he's very friendly. <laughs> um, but she'd seen something of us that made her go, there's something different about them. And I was really encouraged by that, and I was encouraged that her experience of church was a good one. And truthfully, it's easy to be a lamb when you're amongst other lambs. But it's so much harder to be a lamb when you're amongst wolves. And I love, I love that people can come to church on a Sunday and feel like at home here. I love that. But what about Monday to Friday? What happens then? What about when we're in our workplace? What are we then? I was uh, really encouraged this week by a couple of stories. Um, it started on Sunday. So every other Sunday, I lead a life group for young people that are like 17 and 18. And um, one of the young lads called Isaac, um, he's 18 now, and he's got himself a job in a, what does he do, is he? 
in building. Construction. Construction. Um, yeah, so he works in a construction place, whatever you call it. And um, Isaac turned to me in life group and said, um, he said, I've been talking to this guy about Jesus. And I was like, okay. And he was like, oh, yeah, and, you know, he wants to come to church. This guy that he's talking to is like 35 and Isaac's 18. <laughs> and if you know Isaac, you'll know that he's just such a gentle character, quite unassuming, really. And yet there he is in his workplace telling people about Jesus. And I think that came easy for him. And you know why? Because he was a lamb amongst wolves. Because he looks different. Because he acts different. Another story on Thursday, um, a young person called Heidi, who's 14, came to me and said, um, oh, this week at school, I led my friend to Jesus. Oh, isn't that good? Um, and that girl ended up coming to youth on Friday, and we gave her a Bible. Um, but that really, really blessed me. And again, clearly there's something about Heidi that makes her stand out from everyone else. You know, it's not always about what you say. It's about what you do and who you are. And if you posture yourself to be like a lamb, to walk in humility and gentleness, to not copy the crowd, to not gossip or make fun of people, you know, to behave different to the rest of society, to say no to some things because you know Jesus is saying not to do that. If you live that way, then actually you will find that you are reaping the harvest. Yeah. Um, we read in Revelation that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so therefore, to be a lamb is to imitate Christ himself. A few weeks ago, I was stood there in worship and I felt Jesus say to me, it's not what you think it's about, Becca. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, what's it about then? <laughs> and he said, it's about you becoming a bit more like me. And I was like, oh, thank you. The call in our life is to imitate Christ. But we know the story and we know that Jesus is the lamb that was slain. And so therefore, the call to posture yourself as a lamb is a call to say, are you willing to lay your life down for the gospel? What happens when you put a lamb in front of a pack of wolves? Use your imagination. Dinner time. It's not great, is it? And imagine you're one of the 72 and you're really excited to go on this mission. Jesus is sending me out. <laughs> Got everything I need. And then he says, I'm sending you out to be a lamb amongst wolves. Oh, mm, didn't, can't, did I sign up for this? I'm not sure. Um, the truth is, is that they were called to lay their life down. Um, there's a missionary. Um, I've, I've told this story before. Someone called Jim Elliott. Has anyone heard of Jim Elliot before? Remarkable man. He felt the call of God to go and tell a very dangerous tribe about Jesus. And this tribe was in Ecuador, I think. And um, they were known to kill anyone that came on their territory. But nevertheless, 
Jim still wholeheartedly believed that God was calling him to go and tell this tribe the good news of Jesus. And so he spent two years with his friends uh, learning the language and praying and preparing on how they were going to reach this tribe. And um, it was going really well, and they started off by sending in gifts, and it looked like they were building up some sort of friendship. And then one day, Jim and his friends came um, to the land where the tribe was, and they noticed something looked different. And then they saw the tribe come at them with spears. And it says this, that Jim Elliot reached for the gun in his pocket, and he had to decide instantly if he should use it. But he knew he couldn't. Each of the missionaries had promised they would not kill any who did not know Jesus to save himself from being killed. And so essentially, Jim was a lamb who was slain for the sake of the gospel. And in doing so, he imitated Christ himself. The story doesn't end there, though, and quite remarkably, um, Jim's wife and daughter ended up going to that village and leading the tribe to Jesus. Jim wrote that he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And the call to live beyond yourself for the mission is a call to take up posture as a lamb. So a few of us are willing to lay our life down for the gospel because it's hard enough to lay our reputation down. You know, Jesus says the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. And perhaps the workers are few because so many of us love our lives a little bit too much. We love our position and we're striving for power and authority. Well, Jesus is calling you to be a lamb amongst wolves, to, to come and walk in innocence and humility and gentleness. That is the call to us today. But it's good news, you see. You might not feel like it is, but it is. Verse 17, it says, uh, the 72 returned with joy. That's remarkable, isn't it? The 72 returned with joy. And the ironic thing about it is only when we are willing to lose our life do we actually find it. Only when we're willing to lay everything down do we actually discover life and life in abundance. And so today I want to encourage you to posture yourself as a lamb amongst wolves. It's good stuff. Okay, my second point is the next passage in Luke 10. Living beyond yourself is putting our needs to one side. This is the story, a very familiar story of the Good Samaritan, a classic. And we've probably all been taught it in Sunday school. Uh, but this story goes that Jesus was answering a question about who is our neighbor that we should love them. And Jesus answers with this story. And he tells of a man who was coming from Jerusalem and was beaten up by some robbers and was left on the side of the road. Essentially, he was left for dead, wasn't he? Um, and Jesus lists these sorts of people that were walking past him, a Levi, a, a priest. And then we read of this Samaritan who comes to his need. 
And this good Samaritan gave up his time and resources to help someone who was outside his culture. He saw past prejudice and presumption and simply saw a man in need. He didn't go looking for this man. He just found him on his way. And what I want to focus on is how this man chose to put his own needs to one side to help someone that needed him. We often take this story quite literally. And so we're waiting for that day when we see a man on the side of the road that's a bit beaten up. Because then we'll know that's the Good Samaritan story. Let's go. But we're missing the point. The point of the story is are we willing to lay our needs and our wants to one side to help someone before us. There's actually a lot of need right in front of us today. Right in the church, to be honest. And there's some need. The Good Samaritan was willing to get himself messy to help someone else. In verse 34, he says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. This man got close to the mess of the person to help him in need. (laughs) Sometimes we all want the um, nice tidy jobs, don't we? We want to serve in the departments where it's likely you're going to get a lot of glory, a lot of stage and platform. But so few of us are willing to move some tables and chairs. Um, I'm a pastor's kid. So growing up in church, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's me putting it politely. (laughs) Uh, And um, I remember countless times of watching my dad do jobs that no one really knew that he would do. You know, he'd get to church early to pick up the litter outside the church building because he didn't want people seeing litter on their way to church. You know, he'd um, straighten out the chairs, move the tables, unclog the toilets. (laughs) All those glamorous jobs. (laughs) I saw my dad do that because he saw a need and he needed to fill the gap. Um, The Good Samaritan gave what was his. It says, then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him, and the next day he gave some money to the innkeeper. This man held his own possessions so lightly. You know what I've discovered to be true? Is that those that have little give as, they, as though they have everything. Have you noticed that? Some of the most hospitable people I've met are people that don't have a lot of money. But they live as though they have everything. They're so willing to give it away. I'm so moved by that. I'm so moved by people like that. One of our greatest possessions is our time. Oh, I liked that response. Mm, yeah. It's true, isn't it? One of our greatest possessions is our time. But so few of us are willing to put, to put on needs and wants to one side, to give up some time to help other people. A few weeks ago, we had the men's breakfast, and um, five women came here at half seven in the morning to cook sausages and bacon on a Saturday at half seven. They were so willing to put their time to one side to help other people. 
because they saw a need and they wanted to fill the gap. Mm. Um, the Good Samaritan wasn't afraid to give more than what was anticipated. Verse 35, it says, he said to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Some of us perhaps don't want to live beyond ourselves in service to one another. Maybe because we're worried people will take advantage of us. If I move this table this one time, they might think that I've got to move this table again. <laughs> uh, we've all thought it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but perhaps that's our attitude. You know, we don't go like, beyond ourselves because we don't want people to take advantage of our generosity. Well, here in this story, this man was willing to give everything away and a bit more as well. You know, we become so um, precious about where we place our time that because of that, we're so unwilling to help those that find themselves in need. And we're not called to live like that. Um, you know what these two passages have in common? If you thought it was bad, it's about to get worse. You know, <laughs> you know what these two passages have in common? Death. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> um, this first story, when Jesus appoints the 72, he's saying, are you willing to sacrifice your life for the gospel? And in this story of the Good Samaritan, he's saying, are you willing to die to yourself daily for the needs of others? There's death. Death is the thing that's in common with both of these stories. And I felt the Lord say to me this. A lot of us struggle to live beyond ourselves because we don't want to. I'll say that again. A lot of us struggle to live beyond ourselves because we don't want to. We want the glory without the sacrifice. And we want to be served not to serve, and we want the resurrection with us. And if that's the case, then we've become lovers of ourselves more than we are lovers of Jesus. Um, I feel really blessed to be from a town called Dewsbury. Said no one ever. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> it's a really rough place in Yorkshire. Um, but I do, I feel really blessed to be from Dewsbury. And um, like I said, my, my dad was a pastor there. He was a pastor for 18 years. And um, I really saw some quite amazing things. And I just want to tell you a couple, couple of those things. Um, I had some Sunday school teachers called Peter and Susan. Oh, they were great. They weren't paid by the church. They had full-time jobs Monday to Friday, and every Sunday morning, they gave up their Sunday to kids. Every Sunday morning. They'd do the kids' session for the morning service, and then in the evening, they'd come to the service to be, you know, spiritually fed. But, like, my memories of church are Peter and Susan. <laughs> they were the ones that um, prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were the ones that encouraged me and spoke life into me, believed in me and called things out in me because they knew me, because they were willing to give up their time every week to serve the kids' ministry. 
They died to themselves every week. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, there was also um, a time when we bought the church. And so we had to renovate the building. And so for six months, every Saturday, people, members of the church, gave up their Saturday to come and paint walls and take out pews. <laughs> every Saturday for six months, we did that. And as well as those things, you know, um, I remember my mum taking me to youth every Friday. She'd work 12-hour shifts as a nurse, but she'd always make sure I was at youth. You know, she was taxi driver, essentially. <laughs> um, you know, making sure that I was at church events, making sure church was a priority, not just for me, but for her. You know, I saw her sacrifice her time to make sure that I was in the presence of Jesus. Um, and I remember those things. You know, I remember that. And I'm telling you that because um, at the same time as seeing this remarkable service to one another, I also remember encountering the presence of God so strongly in that church. There was a real move of God's spirit amongst people. You know, every Sunday people would come forward for prayer. Like that was just like a standard thing that people would come and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, it was so normal that me and my brother used to pretend to, you know, baptize each other in the spirit. <laughs> uh, I should not have said that. Stick to the notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you become accustomed to seeing certain things. You know, people would prophesy and speak out in tongues and laugh in the spirit. There was such a move of God's presence and a weight, a weight to it. Like there was such a, a weight of God's glory that even as a teenager, I remember encountering the presence of God in Dewsbury. <laughs> and I say that because I think there's a connection between this encounter with the presence of God and this remarkable act of service, where people were so filled with the Holy Spirit and so on fire for Jesus that they couldn't help but love one another beyond themselves. It was out of the overflow of their love for Jesus that they went to go and serve and, and put their own needs and wants to one side to dedicate time to serving those that needed it. It was a remarkable season of life and I think I took it for granted. And now I find myself in a season where every Sunday I'm going, God, please make sure I've got enough kids workers. And it doesn't add up for me, if I'm honest. Because when you've come from Peter and Susan... You can't really go back because <laughs> they died to themselves daily. I'm sorry if this is harsh. It's just that what I feel God said to me, that's all. My third um, and final point, you'll be pleased to know, <laughs> is um, living beyond yourself in pursuit of the presence of Jesus. And this is um, this familiar story of Mary and Martha it's the end of chapter 10 from verse 38 to 42. And in this story, Martha invites Jesus into her home and Mary, her sister, simply sits at his feet listening to what he said. And it says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to Jesus and said, don't you care? Tell my sister to help me. And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He is, of course, talking about his presence. That's what he's referring to. You see, Mary was so compelled by Jesus that she lingered and waited a little while longer in his presence. As soon as Jesus stepped foot into her home, she knew all she could do was sit at his feet. So utterly, completely compelled by Jesus that she had to dedicate her life to him. She knew there was nowhere else she needed to be. She just needed to be at the feet of Jesus. So many of us are struggling to live beyond ourselves in service to others because first, we're struggling to live beyond ourselves in pursuit of his presence. We don't pursue that quiet place with Jesus. And so therefore, how could we ever live beyond ourselves? You see, these three stories are all linked. You know, the story of Jesus appointing the 72 to go reach the lost. This was a call to live beyond yourself for the mission. And then this story of the Good Samaritan was a call to live beyond yourself for those needs that are right in front of you. And then this one here of Mary and Martha is a call to live beyond yourself in pursuit of his presence. But they're all linked together. And in order to live truly beyond yourself, it starts in the presence of Jesus. How are we ever going to give our time away to others if first we can't give our time away to Jesus? Only in the presence of Jesus does all of that not feel like a chore, but like a joy. It's out of the overflow of being in the presence of Jesus. If you want to be transformed, get into the presence of Jesus. If you want to hear from God, get in the presence of Jesus. I just feel like I need to dedicate my whole life to pursuing his presence. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what I'm that's what I'm choosing to do because I know in the presence of Jesus, life happens. Because I know from the presence of Jesus, living beyond yourself comes easy because you've been in the presence of Jesus. Only in the presence of Jesus do you see the lamb that was slain for your life. Only in the presence of Jesus. Only in the presence of Jesus do you see the compassion of Christ he had for you, for me. Only in his presence. You see, the thing is, yeah, and I could be wrong, but this is just what I think. That you can be a good Samaritan without the presence of Jesus. You could probably give it a good go. In fact, some of the nice... Oh, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> oh, caught myself. <laughs> Shall I be honest? All right, then. You said it. Um, some of the nicest people I've met haven't always been Christians. What's that about? So I think you can be a good Samaritan without the presence of Jesus. I don't think it'll sustain you, though. You know, you need the presence of Jesus to be sustained. And then when it comes to the mission, the call to live beyond yourself for the mission, you know, one of the scariest passages in the Bible, gosh, this is scary, is when Jesus says, you know, the disciples come and say, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons in your name. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. Yeah. You see, you can do those things 
But why would you want to do it without the presence of Jesus? It all starts here at the presence of Jesus. And it is a matter of the heart. If you want to live beyond yourself, get alone with Jesus. And you will find he opens your eyes to the needs around you. You'll find you can't help but talk about Jesus to people that don't know who he is. Because you've been alone in the presence of Jesus. Um, yeah so let's not wait until every Sunday to dedicate our time to Jesus let's pursue him for ourselves let's posture ourselves as lambs amongst wolves let's choose to do that and let's choose to actually do something about the need that's right before us Rather than assuming it's going to be someone else's job, you take that place. You know, love your life less and love the presence of Jesus more and therefore love people more too. Let's pray together. Yeah, Jesus, um, in this moment, we just come before you and... um, We just repent, Jesus, of the times when perhaps we've loved our lives a little bit too much. And we repent of those times when we've just assumed that someone else would fill a gap or fill the need. We repent of those times, Jesus. And we just come before you, God, and we just ask, would you fill us with your spirit that we might truly live beyond ourselves? We pray, God, that in every setting that we find ourselves in, we would posture ourselves as lambs. Knowing, Jesus, that might cost us everything, but may we choose it anyway. And God, I pray that first and foremost, we'd be lovers of your presence. That when people look at us, they see Jesus. We ask, would you come and move in our lives, Jesus? And I just pray that we'd be people that linger in your presence a little while longer. Help us be a bit more like Mary. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, that was it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Pastor Simon will be back next week. Um, But have a nice rest of the day, and we'll see you all next week.